Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. There is a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee on my table. And I'm going to tell you why. The Bible says, to any man that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And someone brought me this today, and how many know letting this get cold in my office would not be good, and I don't want to sin. So, there it is. (laughs) That's awful. Hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. We've been in a series called Words to Live By. This is now week four. Uh, somebody says, how, how long is it going to go? And my answer is till we're done. Is that okay? Uh, week one, we talked about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. How many know there's a big difference? Knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is how we respond to what we know. Uh, we read this very powerful passage of scripture. And, and I, I hope that you leave here over the next several weeks with this thought in your mind. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, week one, we talked about wisdom's foundation, that a healthy fear of God is is the foundation of wisdom. And that kind of gets us in the car. You with me? On this journey, that gets us in the car. Week two, we said uh, that the path down wisdom's road was trust and surrender. That starts us down the path, wisdom's road. Last week, we talked about the godly life being wisdom's destination. So if... If, if the fear of the Lord gets us in the car and trust and surrender gets us on the road, uh, the godly life is our course, it's our destination. Today we're going to talk about wisdom's warning. Look at somebody say wisdom's warning. How many know the Bible is full of warning? Can I give you an example? I decided that I was going to, uh, that I thought it would be a good idea to start jogging. That I was going to be a jogger. I thought that that would be a good idea to run. I was going to be a runner. Because obviously I have the physique of a runner. My wife is the only person in the room that laughed. When I started talking about my physique. But I was like, I'm going to be a runner. I'm going to be a jogger. And then I read this warning in scripture. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. So obviously... It's not how we want to live our lives. How many know that there's warnings all around us? Uh, on your way home today, you're going to pass some roadside warnings. Some of them look like this. Let's see if we know what these, what these mean. What does that mean? That we're coming up on a... So you guys are, are doing well. You're all licensed drivers, I assume, most of you. Many of you. What, what is this? Anybody know what that means? That you're coming up on a bus stop. And you're supposed to stop when the bus has its lights out, right? Right, Rusty? <laughs> Ask him about that later. No, no. What is, what is this? Coming up on a railroad crossing. And if you, you should pay attention to those warnings, right? What, what is this next one? Hey, you might have to think about this one just a minute. 
As someone that has played golf a few times, we want you to pay attention to this particular warning. And last one, what is, what is this? It, it has a dual meaning. It's either you're coming up on the playground or you're in very close proximity to the University of Alabama. I've, I've been waiting all week to say that. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting all week to say that. Any Alabama fans? Rotate. Rotate. What does that even mean? Hey, just as those signs warns us of trouble, just as those signs warn us of difficulty coming up on us, the Bible is full of warnings and danger ahead. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you've got your Bibles, it'll be on the screen behind me. It's in your bulletin. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. Hey, just, just listen to this. It says, my child, I want you to listen to this as if God is speaking them directly to you. My child, pay attention. Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life. They bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Listen to verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. On this journey that we're on, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Verse 26. Mark out a straight path. Look at somebody say straight path. For your feet stay on the safe path. Path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. If I wanted to sum, summarize that, the warning in Proverbs can be summarized like this. Pay attention. You don't want to go down the wrong road. You with me? The Bible has a word for the wrong road. You know what that word is? Say it. Sin. Now, l- l- let me ask you a question. Some of you grew up in church, some of you didn't. Uh, When I started going to church, my home church talked a lot about sin. And it was was a great church, don't get me wrong, but but here's kind of the way a a 14, 15, 16-year-old processes a lot of what I heard was, okay, well, uh, don't, don't smoke, don't dip, don't chew, don't drink, don't go to movies, don't smooch on the girls. And here's, here's how a 15-year-old processes that. So pretty much what you're saying, Pastor, if it's fun, don't do it. And that what I, does that make sense? That's what I heard. If it's fun, I want to stay away. I had this image of a, of a God who just was a controlling, just taskmaster. I've since come to learn that that's not the God that we serve. That there are reasons that those road maps, that those, that those road signs are, are, are there, and that's to protect me. That's to help me along my path from getting involved in stuff that could harm me or kill me or 
or, or take me down a path that, that wouldn't be pleasant, wouldn't be productive. The Bible calls it sin. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about three warnings in Proverbs of three very particular sins. And so the next few minutes may be the bad news. Because there's some very specific warnings. And so, but I promise you this. I'm going to give you some bad news, but I'm going to give you some good news. So will you hang on with me through the bad news until we get to the good news? Will you do that? Because there's some bad news. But how many know that there's good news and it's all about Jesus? So uh, I, I will tell you this. The next, some of the next few minutes might be a little PG-13. Maybe PG-11. I don't know. Um, so, parents, just be aware. That's all I'm going to say. First warning is this. Proverbs warns us about deceitful sin. Proverbs 12 and 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The Lord detests lying lips. Can I just tell you, I don't want to get involved in anything that God hates. And if I'm in love with Jesus, do I need to hate what he hates? How many of you hate being lied to? I, can I, I, maybe this is a crazy statement, but I'd rather you slap me across my face than lie to me. Don't lie to me. You know, if... Have you ever been lied to in like a customer service kind of environment where a company said they're going to do something and you probably got the idea that they knew they weren't going to do it when they told you they were going to? And, and you just wanted to go, just tell me at the beginning that you're not going to do it. And, and that's how I am with, with my relationships. Don't, let's, let's not lie to one another. Let's not be deceitful to one another. Let's, let's be true in our conversations. Let's be true in our speech. Let's be true in... in, in our, our relationship. And here's the thing. Nothing good happens when we lie. And I get it. You're sitting here going, well, Dwayne, I, I wouldn't lie. I, I, I don't tell lies. Because we understand that when we lie, truth is shattered, that trust is shattered, and friendships and marriages are weakened and are broken. So I want to talk to you for just a minute about, I'm going to call these Integrity silos. See, the, those places where we think it's okay to be deceitful. And I'm going to tell you, as the body of Christ, as people who are following Jesus, we need to try to live our life above cultural standards. All right, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you work in an office environment, you know, is it kind of understood that People take home office supplies and, uh, you know, make personal copies on the copy machine. And is that kind of understood that people just do that? Should we rise above stuff like that? Man, it got quiet in here. Y'all were singing loud about Jesus. And now we're talking about this and you're just not. Here, here's maybe a couple of these integrity silos. Uh, I'd never rob a bank. But am I going to cheat on my taxes? Nobody's going to know. 
It's the government. They got plenty of money. I wouldn't shoplift, but I might cheat on this exam at school. I'd never run from the police, but I'd lie to get out of this ticket. I believe that the warning from Proverbs about deceit is that God hates lying lips. And as, as, as followers of Christ, you and I need to live our lives in such a way that we live our lives with integrity, that truth comes out of our mouth. And that we don't live deceitfully. Now listen, I, I, I believe that ought to go across the board. Especially, now listen, with our relationships. Nothing hurts a relationship like deceit. Nothing destroys trust like deceit. And Proverbs warning is, let truth come out of your mouth. God delights in those who tell the truth. The warning to avoid deceitful sin protects us from damaged, broken relationships. It protects our character. More importantly, it protects our witness. We cannot declare the truth of God with one breath and be deceitful with another. Right? So look at somebody and say, don't be deceitful. So Proverbs talks about deceitful sin. Proverbs talks about sexual sin. I want you to hang on with me. I just want you to hear me because I love you. The Bible talks about a lot of things that churches are silent about. And, and that's wrong. Proverbs 5, 15. I love this passage. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Let me just start this by saying this. The devil did not invent sex. He's, he's done a great job of twisting it and making it seem something that God never intended. There is a beautiful plan that God has given us. The Bible, it, it specifically talks about four different kinds of sexual sin. It talks about adultery, talks about fornication, talks about lust, talks about homosexuality. So, I, I want to, and, and don't be offended at what I'm getting ready to do, I want to talk to you about sexual sin the way I, I taught my children about it. How many of you, once the weather turns cold, are going to build your nice fire in your fireplace, put on your fuzzy socks? Come on, somebody. Isn't that nice to sit by a fire, put on your fuzzy socks, get you something hot? That's relaxing and it's cool and it's good. Would anybody say this is good? But when, it, when that fire gets outside of its proper boundaries, bad things happen. It looks like this. And, and just like fire has its proper place, sex has its proper place. And this is a very unpopular statement. 
But I believe with all of my heart that, that God's proper place for sexual activity is between one man, one woman, in a committed marriage. Period. I believe that anything outside of that leads to that. It, it may not start like that. We were having, we were having uh, some friends over uh, back during a snowstorm a few years ago. And the power went out. And so the only way we could heat our home was put fire in the fireplace. And my son, Mikey, now, he, Mikey's got a lot of skills, but the boy can build a fire. I'm just telling you, he can take wet wood, no matches, and all of a sudden it'd be blazing in just a little while. And so he had this fire that was just blazing, keeping us warm. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we heard pop. And all of a sudden, one of them embers jumped out onto the carpet. And we heard it, we pounced on it, and, and, and thankfully, we're able to extinguish it very quickly. There's, there's a rug in my living room because we had to cover up that spot. Y'all all thought that that was just for decoration. It was like, that's why it's there. But listen, if, if we would have ignored that too long, see, there's, there's a place, there's a time, I'm afraid that some of us might be dealing with fire outside of the fireplace. It's just a flirt. It's just a magazine. It's just a website. It's just a hug. It's just a Facebook post. It's just coffee. It's just lunch. It's just dinner. It's fire outside the fireplace. And sooner or later, I heard a pastor say something one time that I thought was brilliant. And it was, it was in the middle of the whole, um, you know, homosexuality is a choice thing. And, 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 and that's not what this sermon is about. But he, he made this statement, and I thought it was brilliant. He said, all sexual activity is a choice. And just let that sink in. Somebody said, well, well rape's not a choice. Well, rape's not sex. Rape is violence. All sexual activity is a choice. I need you to know that I believe wholeheartedly in everything this book says about sexual activity. But I, the church has found a scapegoat. church wants to point to the homosexual community and say you guys have caused all the problems all the sexual problems in the church and I'm going to tell you while it's a problem don't we can't point our finger listen guys I, I, can I just talk like I want to talk listen we found a scapegoat we found somebody we can blame and if you think that the homosexual community is the source of all the sexual problems inside the church. You're wrong. You're talking about less than 5% of the population. And I'm going to tell you that there's just as many Christians having sex outside of marriage. There's just as many Christians who are addicted to pornography. There's just as many Christians who are having emotional affairs on Facebook. And it's a problem. 
So stop. Let's stop pointing our finger. Now, I'm not saying we don't deal with other issues. I'm saying that let's get the beam out of our own eye. What does that look like? Man, I, I read some disturbing statistics. You know, it, one of my reds said 66% of men in their 20s and 30s are actively using pornography. 66%. And ladies, before you jump on all them, I, I, I saw a statistic about infidelity and, and, and divorce caused by infidelity. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but the, the, the number of women that started an, infi, a, an adulterous affair that began on Facebook, the number was huge. It's just an innocent little Facebook post that led to coffee, that led to dinner, that led to a weekend, that led to an affair. So here's what I want to tell you. There's a place for that energy. Now listen, God created us as sexual beings. It's funny. I, every time I do this, I'm thinking, oh, I, I know my, my kids are just sinking down in their seat. God created us as sexual beings. And listen, and it was good. So what do we do with all that energy? Men, can I talk to the guys for just a minute? Man, we are, we are visual. And before you push back on that, there's a reason that 99.7% of cheerleaders are female. There's a reason. Why? Because men are visual. There's a reason why Victoria's Secret only sells stuff for ladies. Well, they've got a men's section. Oh, okay. Did you see it on their commercial last time? No. There's a reason why, you know, they, a few years ago, Paris Hilton is in a bikini washing a car for a Burger King commercial. It's insane. There's a reason. Because men are visual. Let me tell you what that means for us, men. And I'm going to tell you that this is an everyday intentional decision to decide where you're going to put your eyes and decide where you're going to put your hands. Every day. Well, aren't, shouldn't we be holy enough by now to not have to? Nope. <laughs> it's an everyday decision. Where am I going to put my eyes? Where am I going to put my hands? Every day. In, in case you didn't hear what I said, every day. Actually, probably every hour. Maybe every 20 minutes. Ladies, just as guys have to be intentional where we put our eyes, where we put our hands, you got to be intentional where you put your heart. See, most, most adulterous affairs that happen in marriages that begin with the ladies, it doesn't happen because they saw the Marlboro man. 
that was, I was really dated, wasn't it? That was, that came out of my mouth and I went, none of these people know who the Marlboro Man is. You know, it doesn't doesn't happen typically because you, you saw something. It happens, and what starts most of the time innocently is because you gave your heart away to some place it didn't belong. And it started as a simple conversation to someone that understands you in a way that your husband doesn't. So here's what we must do as followers of Christ. We must be intentional to keep that fire where it belongs, to drink water from our own well. Now you're in the room and you're single. Can I just be plain? What do I do? I'm single. You go thirsty. Is that all right? And until God gives you a well. Is that all right? The warning to avoid sexual sin guards our heart. And listen, it'll protect the heart of others. That warning protects the joy of a committed relationship between one man and one woman. And and listen to me. Man, I've had friends who've dealt with sexual addictions. I've had friends who've dealt with same-sex attraction. I've had friends that have dealt... and, and, And listen... But before we get, before we point a hateful finger, and no, why don't you ha- have the heart of Christ? And I, I had a friend uh, in in my youth group, uh, and and he he started, he came into our youth group and just flourished. And was doing well. And we had, anybody remember testimony night? We had testimony night one night, one Sunday night at church. And he stood up and told, told the church he was struggling with same-sex attraction. And I'm so ashamed. He became a pariah. He became an outcast. We never heard from him again. Sometimes I think about him. What would have been different if we'd have loved him with the love of Christ? Just a thought. Here's what I'm trying to say. Sexual sin is real. And the enemy would love to to take what God intended for good and hurt you with it. So let's take this warning. Let's drink from our own well and let's cover this world with the grace and mercy of Christ. Let's show the world that there is a path that where, where God can bless I, I don't know what else to say about that. There is a path, and it's a good path, and it's the right path. And, and I'm just naive enough to believe that anything outside of that plan is fire outside the fireplace. 
All right. So Proverbs warns us about deceitful sin. Proverbs warns us about sexual sin. Proverbs warns us about prideful sin. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness before a fall. And can I just tell you, I believe every sin is a sin of pride. We were just talking about sexual sin, right? Is in in adultery, isn't that a prideful sin? What I want and what I need and what I want to do is more important than the person I committed my life to. Isn't that a prideful sin? Isn't, isn't deceit a prideful sin? Because I need something to make it easier for me to get me out of trouble to get what I want. It's impossible to lie selflessly. Deceit is always selfish. Pride. That word haughty, anybody know what that word haughty means? It means arrogant. And so here, here's what I need you to understand and I need me, maybe I need me to understand. Arrogance and, and that sinful kind of pride that, that wants to put me above other people is the opposite of the gospel. It's the opposite of the message of Christ. Because what Jesus did is said, hey, listen, I know I deserve to, to come into this world as a king. I know that I deserve all the splendor of heaven. I know I deserve to, to sit here in heaven and look down on you creations. But here's what he did. He said, I'm going to walk into this earth. I'm going to get born in a barn. I'm going to walk your earth. I'm going to breathe your air. I'm going to deal with your dirt. And I'm going to suffer, bleed, and die on a cross that I didn't deserve. And then I'm going to take you to heaven with me. So what makes us think that we somehow deserve preferential treatment because whatever, because of your intelligence, because of your career, because of your position at work, because whatever, because of your, your last name or your checking account. See, I, I believe the message of the cross, the message of the, the warning of Proverbs Somebody said it like this. I want, to, I want to get the quote right. It said, humility was not thinking less of yourself. It was thinking of yourself less. Isn't that good? I wish I would have said that, but it weren't my words. But uh, no, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And what you and I need to get in the habit of doing as men and women of God and as followers of Christ is thinking of ourselves less. Thinking of others more. I wear this bracelet to help me remind me of that because I'm just going to tell you that didn't come natural to me. How, how many of you like to, to demand your own comforts? And when things don't go your way, you, you pitch a fit. Anybody? Please, somebody besides me. I, I wear this bracelet. Mikey turned me on this website 11 years ago, probably. It says, I am second. And it's a reminder. That my job on this planet is to put God and other people first. 
because it doesn't come natural to me. And, I, and I, if I can take a little liberty, it probably doesn't come naturally to you either. But what if? What if we live that life where we put God and other people first? What could God do in us? What could he do in our church? What could he do in our community? So the bad news is there is sin, right? And the bad news is you've been involved in it and so have I. The bad news is you're going to be tempted with it maybe before you get out of the building. And so will I. The bad news is, is it's something you'll confront and deal with on a daily basis. And so will I. The bad news is there's sin and evil in the world. The good news is there is a solution to the sin problem. I'm going to read you this passage of scripture. And, and I, if, if you hang out with us on Wednesdays, I say things like this a lot. Uh, when you read your Bibles, try to sometimes ignore where the, the chapters change. Because sometimes we, we see the chapters go from chapter 7 to chapter 8, and we think, okay, brand new thought, beginning of chapter 8. And, and that's not always the case. Listen to, I'm going to read 1 John chapter 1, the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I can stop right there, couldn't I? How many perfect people in the room? Right. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. That's the end of chapter 1. The beginning of chapter 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So I need you to understand that there's forgiveness and freedom available in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that there is a solution to the sin problem because it, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but everybody in this room, you have tried to deal with the sin problem on your own. I've, I've tried to stop being prideful. I've tried to be a person of integrity. I, I've, I've tried to be sexually pure. I've tried and you have failed miserably. There's a solution to the sin problem. The fact that Jesus Christ came into a broken world as a perfect man and took your sin to the cross of Calvary and paid and purchased your pardon. I believe that with every fiber of my being and that there is mercy and grace and forgiveness available to all who would believe. Amen? But forgiveness and freedom are available, but the warnings still apply. In other words... These are things that God said, stay away from. They'll hurt you. I love you enough to offer you freedom from them and forgiveness from them, but I need you to hear from me. If, if you go down this bad path, if you ignore the stop sign, you might get T-boned in the intersection. Does that make sense? So here's our words to live by. 
paying careful attention to wisdom's warning will keep my life moving in the right direction. Here's the good news. If you're in this room today, listen. And, and by the way, those are just, just three of the warnings in the book of Proverbs. If you've been going along with us and reading through, there's a whole bunch more. So I just, I just, we just dealt with three today. But here's what I need you to, please, if you hadn't heard anything else, hear this. Uh, last week, I, I told you that if you would, if you get outside the, the driver's seat and, and place your hope and trust and surrender to the person of Christ and let him take that wheel. See, we, we said last week that we, we want Christ to come into our life. And that's so backwards, y'all. See, when, when Christ comes into my life, I invite him to come into my, my deceit and my sexual sin and my pride and my arrogance and all the other stuff that I invite him to come in and, and be a part of all that. I don't, I don't want Christ to come into my life I want him to invite me into his. And listen, in his life, in his presence, the Bible says it's fullness of joy. Nothing you want, nothing you need, nothing you desire is outside of that. Everything you need, everything you desire is, is wrapped up in that life of following Christ, finding his purpose and plan, and letting him. Don's going to come and play. I'm going to read you one more passage of scripture, then we're going to pray. I want you to hear from my heart that regardless of what you're dealing with, what I really struggle today because I, I hate pointing out specific sin. You know why? Because you might be sitting in this room and, and, and the three we talked about, it's not something you struggle with. So you're sitting back and thinking, I'm good. I'm all right. And I'm going to tell you that Christ invaded our world to deal with whatever you've got going on in your life. You know, maybe it's not deceit. Maybe it's not sexual sin. Maybe it's not pride. Maybe, it's, maybe you've got an anger issue. Maybe you, you, don't, you don't handle your emotions well and you let your anger get ahead of you and, and, and it, it's caused people around you. It, it's hurt people. See, I, I really don't care what your sin is. There is a solution. There is a solution to this sin, sin problem, and his name is Jesus. And I, I know what you're thinking now. You're thinking, well, I, I gave my life to Christ, and, he, and I, I believe that, and I'm glad that, he, that you did. But listen, I'm not talking about a salvation issue. I'm talking about an everyday surrender to the person of Christ. For Christ, take the things in my life that don't look like you and kill them. Take the attitudes and the actions that, are, that I represent in my life and, and, and crucify them. See, I think that's the prayer we need to pray today. Because I love you, Jesus, and I want to be more like you, and I want to be an accurate representative of you to this world. Take those things in me that don't look like you and slay them. Give me grace.
Give me wisdom. Give me mercy to heed those road signs. Help me live a life on your path. See, I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've ignored those warning signs, those road signs along, along my spiritual journey. There's been times when I've God said, go this direction. And I went the opposite direction. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't look at that. Don't. And I've gone the opposite direction. Please hear me. There's forgiveness and freedom. And if you've gone off the path, I, I told you a couple weeks ago that I love to use my GPS. And, and I've, got a, I've got a new toy. My watch now connects to the GPS on my phone. And so I can just look at my watch as I'm riding down the road. And this is telling me all I need to know. But here's what's, if you ignore that direction, guess what? There's this device inside that thing. I don't know how it works, but it'll say, I'm recalculating your route. And it'll eventually get you back on the right track. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit, when I get off off the path, He has this amazing way of getting me right back where I belong. called conviction it's when he speaks to our hearts and maybe you're feeling that this morning so I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and pay attention to it man if you've stepped off the path as we all have here's my challenge for you that, that voice you hear in your heart, in it, it, it mind, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's saying, listen, yeah, you, you've ignored some of the road signs, but I, I need you to get back on the path. Because I love you, because I care about you, because i got a pl- purpose and a plan for your life. I need you to get back on the path. Yeah, yeah you think you've stepped way off the path. And I'm going to tell you that, that, that there's no distance you can go that the Holy Spirit can't bring you back on the path. Let me say like this. The blood of Christ is powerful enough to forgive whatever. To offer freedom from whatever. So if you've stepped off that path, as we all have, I'm going to invite you this morning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let him recalculate your journey. I'd like to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, would you do what only you can do this morning and change lives? Hey, you know, pastors say what I'm getting ready to say all the time and and people ignore it. So I'm going to ask you not to ignore what I'm getting ready to say. I I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes and nobody's looking around. I know some of you like to cheat, and so do I, and peek. I'm going to ask you not to do that today. If you're here, and you say, Dwayne, I, I, I think I might have stepped off the path. But, but I want to get back on. The Holy Spirit's dealt with me about some stuff, and I just need to leave it with Him. If that's you, just so I know, just slip your hands in the air. Amen. 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 
Here's, here's how the Holy Spirit recalculates our journey. The Bible calls it repentance. We come to Christ, confess our sin. He offers forgiveness and we turn. In other words, when He recalculates your journey, you follow His directions. And oftentimes, it's in the exact opposite direction of that thing that caused you to step off the path to begin with. So when we pray today, right now, you're going to say, God, I, I've sinned. Call it what it is. I've stepped off the path. And I need your forgiveness. And I need your mercy and your grace. And I need the blood of Christ to cleanse me. But a big part of repentance is turning back toward God and his purpose and plan for you. So I'm going to challenge you as we pray to finish this service to do just that. Father, in Jesus' name, forgive us of our sins. Put us on the path toward your purpose and destiny and plan for our life. Help us to follow you. Put you first. Thank you, God, that you provided a solution to the sin problem. And that solution has a name, and his name is Jesus. And we're thankful today for the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before they take the offering, I need to talk to you a minute. Before they receive the offering, they need to stay right where you're at. Because I don't do this enough. See, what happens at the end of our service, one of us will come up and we'll say, hey, uh, you know, we're going to receive our offering. And, and we never really give you the why behind the what. And I wanted to give you a why. We had an incredible day yesterday. And I'm going to tell you what your, yes, it was awesome, wasn't it? Here's, here's what your generosity and your tithe and your offering allowed us to do as a church. You gave us the opportunity to to take myself and 10 volunteers from our church put them in a van that we were able to rent and pay for and take them to a conference where they, where they learn how to do ministry with excellence and it not cost them a nickel you gave, you made that happen your generosity invested into the lives now listen this is how it works you think well it's not that much it was just a you know a couple bucks well when you add that to this, to that, to that, now all of a sudden you invested into the lives of people who are investing into the lives of others and it just mushrooms from that point forward. So it matters that we do this. And I just wanted to celebrate your generosity and tell you that some of those might not have been able to go if we weren't able to say, hey, listen, it's not going to cost you dime. They're going to feed you lunch. And we're going to go and we're going to learn how to do ministry. It was an awesome, awesome day. And you guys made that possible. And you ought to give yourself a big God bless you. All right. So now our ushers are going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Give us unto the Lord.